0: hello and welcome to the future tribe podcast each week we'll be talking about getting things done we'll talk to people who've built up their businesses pulled off amazing projects and cover everything from psychology and strategy to the tips and tricks that will help make your dream a reality we're the podcast that's all about empowering the optimists and the go-getters i'm your host jermaine muller you're listening to the future Tribe podcast and this episode is just getting started Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Future Drive Podcast. Today we're joined by Seb from Capital Dents. How are you today, Seb?
1: Good, thanks Jermaine. Uh, lovely day, so great to be on the podcast.
0: Yeah, thanks for joining us. So uh, let's start off with um, Capital Dents. What's, what's it all about?
1: All right, so Capital Dents is a small business I run uh, by myself. Uh, specializes in PDR, which is the paintless dent removal of dancing cars, so I mainly focus on minor stuff, shopping trolley dings and hail damage. So, yeah,
0: mm-hmm. okay. And so, talk me back to actually, let's start with how old you are now.
1: So, currently, I'm 22, I'll be 23 um, in February, mm-hmm. so uh, quite young. But, uh,
0: so when did you start the the process of uh, did you start the business recently, I assume, or is it been yeah, relative, for a while?
1: Relatively recently, so I started back in. December of 2016. So mm-hmm. um, in December this year, it'll be two years. So. Not okay.
0: Long. And talk me um, about the, I guess um, the backstory there where you always, you know, have, have, has your dad been a mechanic and you sort of mm-hmm. always are, were around cars or um, did you sort of see an opportunity um, in a space that was fairly quiet or how did you get into paintless dent removal? Cause it's not necessarily a well-known sort of area. Um, So how did you stumble across it or did you very intentionally go in this direction?
1: Yeah, look, it was a combination of all the things you've just brought up there. So um, it definitely started with my father. So my dad's always been in the car game around cars and I've sort of been brought up around cars and interested in cars. Um, When he was my age, he was originally a touch-up guy, which means he specialised in a lot of, uh, paint repair and stuff like that mm-hmm. he's worked his way up through a range of businesses um and to this day still in the car industry so um i was sort of looking at getting out of the job i was in at the time which was hospitality work it was getting into long hours and um late nights and i was sort of getting over the responsibility of having to manage a team that mm-hmm. if anything went wrong it sort of fell back on me and i had no control over it um so I was speaking to dad one night and he said, "Said you know what you should get into, I think you should have a look at these guys that do painless dent removal. Mm-hmm. So I started researching because um, obviously when he was my age in the paint game, he always saw these dent guys coming to the car yards where he'd be working and they'd be doing the dents. Mm-hmm. He always thought it was much better than the paint because there's no materials, it's sort of just a skill-based trade. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I looked into the course, I had a bit of money saved up um, was looking into a few courses all around Australia. I ended up finding a training down in Ballarat, mm-hmm. um, in Victoria, um, so I spoke to the guy down there, his name was Laurie, um, he sort of talked me through the process and what it involves um, and yeah that sort of sparked my interest from there so I did a bit more work at the bar to save a bit more money up and yeah, um, yeah I sort of jumped off the deep end I guess. I didn't. I didn't really tell many of the mates or much of the family what I was doing. I sort of just carded my way down to Ballarat. Yeah. Um, and did this course out of nowhere. All the all the fellas at home were pretty shocked. But um, <laughs> how long did the it. course go for? So it was a two week. It was a two week intensive course. Oh. Um, and then all they teach you there is just the basics of the trade. Right. So. Um,
0: so sort of the fundamentals of it all
1: you exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And then what so, do you,
0: what did you do from there? Like I assume you can't just, you didn't do the two weeks and then just hop on and start doing client cars.
1: No, that's right. It's not like money making like that. I actually came home. So in December, I worked through all of the summer holidays. I just had a bonnet set up at home. So I went, okay. and went to the scrap yards. I picked up a bonnet. I set it up at home and then I just put dints in it with the hammer and then practice pushing them up. So that was yeah. my whole summer holidays, was just practicing pushing up dents. Um, so I was doing that. So how
0: old were you here? Like,
1: um, so I, I 23 would, soon. Been, yeah. So I'm 23 soon. So it would have been like late twenties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Late, late 20. I think I was about to okay. be 21. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was pretty full on. Um, I, it was really frustrating. It, it wasn't something that I picked up straight away. Um, mm-hmm. so it took a lot of time and effort just to get even the smallest dents out. So I worked on the bonnet, I worked on the bonnet, and then I eventually started denting my own car because I thought I had a bit more work. <laughs> I wouldn't sit down and really focus on the dents. I started right. denting my own car and then working the dents out. So obviously I had, I had an incentive to work towards. It wasn't sort of just some scrap bonnet that I didn't really care much about. I sort of denting my own car. I was like, all right, this has to get fixed. Yeah. So I found that was probably the breaking point between sitting at home and doing work and then getting out there in the industry and actually finding paid work.
0: Yeah. So two things come out for me. One is that, um, is that you followed somewhat natural, but somewhat sort of artificial route to get to where you were. Um, which is, I find always interesting because I think a lot of people, um, have a feeling that they've got to sort of, yeah, you've got to do something you love, but they think that that means that they've got to do something that sort of comes to them naturally that they've sort of, you know, that one day they're doing, doing an activity and they go, Oh, um, I really like this. Maybe I should make a business out of it. But it sounds to me more like you went, you know, there's this adjacent sort of area that I like, um, but then went through the logical process of going, let's see where there's a demand. Let's see what, what piques my interest. But it was a sort of a nice mix of natural sort of um, leading in, but also artificially in the sense that you sort of looked at, looked at sort of the business case for it um, and then went down that route. Is that fair to say?
1: Absolutely, yeah. I think that's very accurate. I, um, yeah, as I said, there, there wasn't many guys. Even when I was looking into it, I was doing a bit of research just to the the market share in Canberra of paintless Den repair guys, and there really wasn't many. There was probably half a dozen mm-hmm. um, guys in Canberra with a population of you know three hundred eighty thousand. That's that's not many when you mm-hmm. think about the volume of cars for all those people. So it's definitely a niche, but a niche. But there was a hole in the market because there there isn't many of us getting around. So yeah, the stars sort of aligned and it, it, I've always been interested in tinkering. I've always been a tinkerer, I like playing around with things, taking apart things. Um, and I'm, I'm just a general interest into like fixing things and seeing mm-hmm. how they work. Not so much from an uh, engineering point of view, but more of getting a hands-on like approach and actually doing it yourself. So,
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah the second thing I noticed when we talk about it is I mean, the first time we met was because you actually came and worked on my car. Yeah. Um, and what stood out to me then was the the care and the sort of very intentional um, effort that you put around it because it's easy to um, think about. I mean, you mentioned it wasn't this sort of two-week course and then start making money, start sort of printing money yeah. out, even though there's, yeah, a market, exactly. there's there's this whole market to sort of tap into. Um, yeah. And it was evident that that's not what, you are after um, because yeah. you spent a lot of intentional care and effort to make sure that you know the solution wasn't just it's okay to the naked eye, but you use your tools to make sure that it's okay under any light. It's sort of back to factory good, um, exactly right. And I yeah. assume you, yeah. and that's that shows because part of your training that you imposed upon yourself was to damage your own car to make sure that then you bring it back to factory conditions, um, exactly
1: right. If yeah. not better,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. For sure. A lot
0: of, yeah. Do you find that a lot of people, like, do you find that your friends are surprised that you put in that much effort? Do you find that they're, they're a bit surprised almost, or, or do they sort of know you? So they're okay with it. Um, what, what do you find?
1: I think most of my friends group, we all, we all definitely work pretty hard. Um, mm-hmm. I've got a few mates that work for themselves doing various other things. So I'm definitely surrounded by people that like to like work, work hard and like reap the results of that, that, that hard work. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely shocked because I was pouring beers one minute and then the next I was sort of down in Ballarat doing this course of some in this industry that no one had really heard of. So that definitely shocked in that sense. But I, I, I think that, um, it was probably a good approach because I didn't want to blow it up into this big thing that I was going away to do this thing. Because yes. even at the time, as I was driving down there, I was like, "Geez, like, am I going to really make a name for myself doing this?" It's like it's just such a bizarre thing to get into straight out of hospitality. So,
0: mm. yeah, um, there wasn't this sort of, you know, you couldn't sort of you went in hospitality and then opening up your own cafes. Yeah. At least there was this natural sort of progression. This exactly was right. going from you know from from a zig to a zag. It was sort of exactly. the complete complete other spectrum. And then it's an unheard of sort of art and unheard of sort of job. Um, and you mentioned sort of, you didn't want to blow it up and make it a big deal to start off with. Um, that, that sort of makes me think about the business itself. Now you're, you're mobile. Um, you, you have a mobile workshop essentially.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right.
0: And were you always going to do that or is that something normal in this space or were you looking at getting, getting a space? I guess what I'm trying to work out here is, um, I'm a big fan of starting off slowly. There's a lot of people yeah. who think you've got to go get loans, make a lot of money now that, that, that works in some industries. That's good for some people, but yeah. I think, you know, starting off slowly, building it up and, you know, um, even like we in the last few months, we moved into a new office and even sort of looking at that when we got equipment, I got equipment that was not cheap, but not, not high, super high end. Cause I sort of work by the logic that, when that gets worn out, when that breaks, that means that we should be generating enough revenue using those tools to then go to something higher end. So did you take that approach of let's start off, you know, baby steps or did you sort of go, dad, Mum, can you, you know, give me some money? I'm going to get a lease. I'm going to get a big, big workshop. Yeah. How how did you sort of approach that?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, Jermaine. I um, I wanted to start off as small as possible with, with, and shrink those overheads down to the, the smallest Being a very stuff. small part, yeah exactly right so obviously the money wasn't coming in as i explained earlier straight away so my decision was to go mobile to find a lease to find a workshop somewhere in fishwick or somewhere uh somewhere in mitchell which is like the industrial areas of canberra i don't think that was a realistic goal for myself first off i didn't have the accounts to to make the work happen so i could be paying off the weekly lease and um I I just don't think I would have felt comfortable at my skill level to have a whole shop and have cars coming into me. I think I would have been pretty overloaded. Mm -hmm. So the the next best logical step was to go mobile. So in this industry, we're pretty lucky because my tools consist of probably, I don't know, there's two bags, two large bags of tools which I can carry in my hands and that's Mm -hmm. all I need to to do a job. So I mean, mobile is a uh, very viable option. So I chose to go mobile cutting all my tools in the in the truck um, mm. and I'd drive around I'd have a route so it's called route work so I'd say on a Monday I've got a I've got a car yard in Belconnet I've got a car yard in Mitchell and then I've got a car yard in Fishwick so I'd make a route mm. and I'd go around in that route um, throughout the day and then being mobile just makes it that much easier because the car yards don't like to move their cars off the lot because obviously that's time that customers aren't seeing them face to face so if we the car on the lot, do the job on the car, on the car yard, on the car, in the car yard, then it's pretty simple. Um, the car yard's happy. I'm happy because um, I'm not paying enormous overheads for some building that I'm not taking full use out of. But I mean, eventually down the line, I would like to look at having my own space. It's just for now, especially while I'm trying to break into that market, um, I, I think building up those accounts and rapport with uh, business owners, it's just better to be mobile. Because then, you know, the onus is on you to make it there. And um, the liability is on
0: as well. You're not moving cars around. Exactly. You're not, uh, yeah, no. you're working on a car, but you're not sort of taking ownership of it. It's still on someone else's property. And I would assume that makes exactly. it cheaper for any sort of insurances that you have to have as well. Um, exactly right that now is a nice segue into, you talked about having car yards. Um, you obviously did some work on my car and that was as a, as just a individual, I guess, uh, not a business. So, yeah. um, do you have a lot of business businesses that you work for with a lot of car yards? Um, or is it sort of 50, 50 and, and yeah. what's, what direction do you want to take it in moving forward?
1: Sure. So I'd say the car yards are my bread and butter. So the, the, that's where majority of my money is coming in from. And again, the uh, the positives from the car yards are that they're giving me work every week. So like yourself, obviously, I'd hate to see a beautiful car dented every week. But the thing is with a private customer, I go to them, I service their car and I might not hear for them again, for six months, a year, yes. sometimes longer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the car yards, they're constantly cycling cars out. They're constantly getting dents. So it's just constant work. And that's the thing that's hard to find in this industry because no one wants dents in their cars. But obviously, I need dents to make the business work. <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's yeah. almost yeah. sort of like in the insurance game where you need something bad to happen to then get exactly. business. Exactly, exactly um, right. But you don't necessarily wish that upon anyone. Um, yeah. I love that yeah. when you sent me the invoice, you sort of said, I hope you stay dent free, which is counterintuitive yeah. to you as a business because realistically <laughs> you've got to be thinking, I hope you get a bunch of small dents in the next, you know, six months uh, and it yeah. really bugs yeah. you. Um, yeah. But I guess yeah. the benefit there though, is that once someone does get a dent um, in a lot of cases, if especially if they care about the vehicle um, as a business would um, that, there's a lot of incentive for them to pay for the service. It's not something that they can just ignore. Um, If you're a private individual, probably a different story, unless you know you're really proud of your car, I would would guess. Mm -hmm. Um, But otherwise, um, if there's that, I guess, the the bonus there that you're mobile and if a car comes in, you know, a used car and they were going to put it on the lot, it's very much in their interest to get that debt sorted. So they're going to pay, pay you for it. And, and I yeah. guess that's why you get the regular work there. Exactly right. Yeah. How did you work out pricing? Um, what, what, okay. what approach did you take? Did you sort of go to them and um, did you get an understanding of what other people were charging first? Or Because yeah. I assume for a business, you're almost at a wholesale rate, so to speak. And then for the exactly. private individuals, you go at a, at a sort of a retail rate. How did you get yeah. those numbers? What did you do?
1: Okay, so we're going back to the training in Ballarat then and there was a whole portion of that training that did talk about pricing and how you price a job. Mm-hmm. So um, they, they give you a good idea of what you sort of should be charging and you want to be relating your price to what um, panel beaters would charge. So say you've got a 50 cent size piece dent in your door, a panel beater up, would have to take the whole, whole door off, they'd weld tabs on, pull the dent out, strip back the paint repaint the door and then blend it all out Mm -hmm. so you'd be looking at i don't know well in excess of five hundred dollars for a job like that a small dent on your door Mm -hmm. Um, and then the benefits of paintless dent repair that we aren't invading that factory finish on Mm -hmm. your car so you get to keep the original paint and um work out the metal same day service so there's a lot of benefits to having painless dent repair over traditional panel beating, So we've got to price our pricing sort of close to, close to panel beating, but just under, because at the end of the day, we want them to come to us over normal panel right. beating. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a tough line because sometimes you sort of got to price a job on how, how much time you're going to put into it. Yes. So, so if you think a job's going to take you an hour, then you've got to price accordingly. It's not necessarily where the job is or how big it is. It's just based off what you think your ability is mm-hmm. and how you can get the job done because everything's an hourly rate. So mm-hmm. um, I think that's the best way to do it. Um,
0: and so how did you, did you, when you approached the, um, I guess this is going to lead acquisition to, to your point as well. How did you get into these car yards um, in the first yep. place, because I would assume that you said there's sort of a half a dozen in Canberra doing doing the work. I assume yep. there's a lot more car yards. Um, but, you know, I, I would think that a lot of them, if, it, if they spend one day at each car yard, most car yards would then be covered. Um, or right. is that not what you found? Did you find that there was still a few sort of car yards <laughs> looking for individuals with your sort of expertise? Yeah.
1: yeah. So of the half a dozen guys that do paintless dent repair in um, Canberra, there's probably only three that are mobile like myself. Mm-hmm. So um, of the three guys, I found the biggest thing when I was first coming out or hearing about the other guys um, was reliability. So that was, the, that was the biggest problem when they where the other guys seemed to be going wrong. Mm-hmm. I mean, not everyone. Definitely, there's some great guys in Canberra, but some of them just couldn't be there when they say they're going to be there. Other jobs would come up, they'd get too busy. So that's sort of where I segma- like segue myself into the market. My first car yard was in Belconnen, belconnen cheap cars. So it's the sister um, business of Gerald Slaven in Belconnen Mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. And what I did was I said, look, I'd just love to work for free for for the first, what was it? I started in end of April. I probably worked there for four weeks just free, just doing Mm -hmm. dance for free. So I was just doing dance, doing dance. And I noticed that when they called the other dent guy up, he would never show up. So I was sort of getting better at the work. I was still practicing at home at the time, doing my own car, doing the dents there. And then I finally felt confident enough where I could sit down with the manager and say, look, I think my work's definitely doing, um, definitely like meeting a standard. So mm. I'd love to, I, I'd appreciate it if I could start charging for the bills. I sort of, I was a bit nervous because it was like my first job. I was jumping in the deep end. I was asking yeah. to get paid for work um, that I was doing, which was Pretty phenomenal for me because I was used to just getting a paycheck at the end of the week so mm-hmm. i was sort of telling him that I'd like to start getting paid and um it all went well in the end and um that that was sort of my first break into the market so I was just working on small cars not expensive cars or anything that like fifteen to $20,000 cars so pretty mm-hmm. cheap mm-hmm. and um, I was just doing dance every Friday there so I still okay. go there every Friday actually but um
0: so were you working part-time um, while was, we're doing this,
1: yeah, that's right. So got to I, fund, I did
0: fund the, the sort of side hustle, I guess.
1: Exactly right. So I, when I did the training, I took two weeks off from the hospitality job. So I was mm. at a pub, I'm um, in O'Connor. So I was managing there. I took two weeks off there, and then when I came back, I was still working the pub and I was doing the dance at night. So I was doing that all the way up until I don't know. It must have been close to mid-year. Mm. The following year, so I was about June or July. So 2018 or
0: 2017. 2017
1: Mm -hmm. yeah so 2017 yeah that's correct um no sorry Jermaine, it's 2018 so it's last year yeah i've only been doing it for two years so it was last year Mm -hmm. um so i had the pub job at the same time and then i was doing the dance during the day so i was pretty full on um took a toll on the body because i'd be doing the late nights and then up early but i mean it was only a couple of months at the end of the day and um i just had to wait to set up a few accounts where i could balance my income from the part from of course
0: the you had to job. take sort of a responsible approach to it you didn't want to sort yeah. of dump it and then live off your savings um, exactly. you wanted yeah. to transition it so that you weren't yeah sort of because otherwise you get in a position where um, you'd have to charge next to nothing just because you need the cash flow. And, and mm. you obviously didn't want to, you, you took a more consider, considered, more logical, I would say, approach from a financial point of view. Um, yeah. yeah. Before, before sort of, yeah, just jumping in blind. Um, I had a question that I was going to ask you, but it's not coming to me right now. Um, oh, the working for free. So that brings up a yeah. whole thing again. Um, I think we chatted about it when he actually came to work on my car. Um, mm-hmm. Was that, I mean, coming personally, coming from sort of the marketing design sort of space, doing a bit of photography on the side as well, um, my industry is an industry that's known for people um, going on about you know um come take photos or come come do some you know design a logo for exposure, um, yeah, which is free as far as I'm concerned, most of these yeah. people they can't they don't care enough about the brand they don't they're not getting enough work to actually for that to lead to enough exposure you're not talking about you know Nike saying do this work for free um yeah. These are just people starting off. So there's no exposure to even speak about. And then you mentioned that you work for free for, for four weeks. Um, I'm sure people had to do it going, you know, these guys are the problem. This is why, you know, painless dent repairs. It's, you know, this, this sort of cheap art because people just think that they can get work for free. So there's no value to it. What do you say in response to that?
1: Definitely, I can understand because it is a problem in in the industry where guys are often undercutting each other and then it becomes, it actually takes a toll on the whole industry because if guys keep undercutting each other, it actually undercuts the whole industry and what we do. It's a race to the bottom. Exactly right. So if, if we valued out what we did more highly, then I guess it'd be better for everyone. And we sort of stuck together as a group, but everyone's competitive. So you know, it, it's tough to sort of work as a team when you're all your own business. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I, I don't know. I, I found there was no other way for me to get out there because my skills weren't there. There's guys that have been in this industry for 20, 25 years. And, I mean, mm-hmm. I was coming out after three months of training and I didn't have anywhere near the skill level that these guys had. So, it's tough to sort of come out there and charge, you know, a premium price for a subpar, uh, subpar result. Yeah. So, um. I found that making a sacrifice to the price was the only way that I could sort of show these guys what I was doing. And like you mentioned, it's it's just about that exposure. And I really need to expose like myself and my brand and the business to like what I was doing and how good I was. I was trying to market the reliability because I noticed that was the biggest the biggest gap. I'd be there even if there was no work, I'd be there at Friday at 9 a.m. you know what I mean? So you know it, it was the only way I could sort of show what I was made of and what I wanted the business to be um, so I think that they started to pick pick me on and then they speak to other car yards and then it sort of just branched out from there mm, yeah. and it was it is a shame that I had to undercut the price, but I mean when you when you don't have the skills to back it up, it's sort of the only place you can turn to so
0: yeah I, I mean I sort of led you into this question. Um, almost intentionally just to see sort of what you, how you felt about it. Um, but, you know, personally, what I find, I, I still do pro bono work now, but that's for more for charities and things like that. Um, and right. I still do uh, what's called, time for print work, which is uh, basically you, you line up a model, you do do a photo shoot um, and you agree that, you know, instead of compensating the model um, and the model mm-hmm. compensating you for your photography, it sort of evens out by saying, you know, you would have got paid X amount. I would have got paid X amount. Let's just say yeah. we paid each other so zero it out. Um, but the reason I sort of wanted to hear about it was because I think again, free work is something that people like to really Really, I guess jump on and really talk down. Um, yeah. But ultimately, I, in my humble opinion, you shouldn't be apologetic for that kind of thing because you realise that you needed the exposure, you needed the experience. You, it's not that your work was valued at zero; it's that they had to take on some level of risk that, that it wouldn't make sense for them to compensate you for. So, you, it, the way I see it, you're essentially zeroing it out because they have to take a risk that. You know, for all they know, you come in and make the dent worse, or you know, yeah. result in them I don't know, scratching exactly. the paint and having to re exactly the whole right. door. Um, yeah. And you sort of recognize that and just realize that you had to put in the work to to continue to get the work. Um, mm. And and I love that because that again just shows that you're hungry and you and you and you want to um, sort of. Uh, break into this space and show people that you know what you're doing versus expecting everyone to pay you straight off the bat. Um, yeah. And the second thing you mentioned was the reliability. I mean, uh, we we were booked for a Wednesday at nine 30 in the morning. And yeah. when I heard uh, someone open the door at nine 25, um, no offense to your industry, but I wasn't expecting it to be you, you know? Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. It Absolutely. just, it just
0: wasn't. Um, and then yeah. it was you. And I was like, that's, that's fantastic. Like, he's actually turned up, um, actually earlier than he said he would, um, where yeah. normally I would have assumed if you said nine you'd turn up hopefully before 11 o'clock <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, I understand.
0: and, and yeah. no offense to his space, but you, you, as you've also worked out, it's, it is yeah. something that, um, all you've got to do is, sometimes is obviously you've got to do good work, but just mm. turn up on time and you're already sort of a step ahead.
1: Definitely. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it's something my dad told me even going to my first job when I was first interviewing for the hospitality jobs. He's like, doesn't matter if they interview interviewed to get the jobs at 11, you've always got to be You're better off to be 15 minutes early than one minute late. And it's always something I've carried through from from work to now starting my own business. Mm -hmm. And it's gone a long way because I'll get calls. I might get a call tomorrow that there's an emergency dent at Honda, mm-hmm. um, the customer's coming at three o'clock to pick up the car. Can you be here at 12? And it's not a question of, yeah, I can get there by one. You have to be there on time because the job's not getting done otherwise. That's so, it. The car's know, not
0: ready it, to pick up at three o'clock. And yeah. that's bad yeah. on you. That's bad on them. And it's bad on everyone yeah. involved.
1: Exactly right. So, you know, I think simple things, that they go a long way and it just helps the business.
0: Thanks for listening to another episode of the Future Drive Podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to helping us. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, email us at hello at f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i.be. If you haven't already, become a part of the tribe on Facebook. Go to futuretribe i.be slash f b and invite your friends. We're just getting started, and we would love to see you there. That's it from us. I hope this episode has empowered you to keep working on bettering your future. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the tribe. See you next time.